Well, good morning. I'm going to continue with our series on the Ten Commandments. Um, today we're going to look at commandment number five and uh, figure out how we can posture ourselves best to make sure we are fulfilling the purpose of God. So turn with me over to the book of Exodus. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. The title of the message is The Ten Commandments, number five. Mom, Dad, and You. Mom, Dad, and You. Exodus 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. We're going to look at a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul begins to describe and expound on this passage a little bit more. He says, Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Lord, help us as we study. Three things I'd like to talk to you about regarding this passage. One, honor. Two, heritage. And three, hope. Honor, heritage, and hope. The commandments of God are immutable. They can't be changed. And I don't know any good reason to even want to try. They work. And if we follow them, they'll work for us. They work in any generation, any place, any people. They are beautiful. Yet if you look in the grand scheme of all of God's communication throughout history, they, meaning the commandments, occupy the shortest period of time. Recorded history from the Bible before the commandments were instituted was somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 years. Since Christ, where the commandments, even though they have application to us, yet we will not be judged by them, since Christ, it's been 2,000 years. So the age of the cross and redemption is 2,000. The age of the patriarchs is 2,500. Though we think there's more time in there, we just have 25 years of recorded history. The age of the commandments is 1,500. That's it. So it's the shortest period in human recorded biblical history. Yet they are extremely important. They help us. But it says something about how mankind may have been supposed to figure stuff out rather than always be told about stuff. Abraham didn't have any commandments. Jacob did not have any commandments. Isaac didn't have any commandments. Noah didn't have any commandments. He had a rule. And it was kind of a it was kind of a extreme. It was listen, if somebody murders somebody, I'm gonna require his blood. Adam had a restriction, not so much a commandment. God just said, you can have any tree you want from which you can eat. Any one, just don't eat that one. It wasn't a command to do something. It was just a restriction from something. So for 2,500 years of recorded history, man was just supposed to figure it out. Hmm. Pastor Jim, Jim Critcher, great help here, uh, did a sermon about five years ago. On Wednesday night. And in the sermon, he incorporated some things called unnecessary instructions. It's very interesting. I want to read to you some of the things he found on the internet that companies have to help people understand what not to do in order for their products to function best. On a can of spray paint, do not spray in face, it said. 
Now you, you sit there and you realize something had to happen for them to put that on the spray can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, on a toaster, do not use underwater. What were they, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Um, on a can of Sansbury peanuts, warning, contains nuts. Somebody with allergies to peanuts decided to eat them anyway and then tried to sue the company. Hey. On a Sears hairdryer, do not use while sleeping. That's not the best use of how to make up time. I promise you that. It's not a good use. On a blowtorch, do not use for drying hair. <laughs> ah, somebody had serious issues there. On a Rowenta iron, do not iron while clothes on body. And this last one I needed. On a child's Superman costume, wearing it this garment does not enable you to fly. I, that one I needed because I was going to get on my roof and try to figure this thing out when I was little. There's some stuff you just think, really? You had to tell somebody that? You had to tell somebody that. <laughs> I wonder if there was a conversation in heaven before the Lord issued this command. Honor your mother and father. That it might go well with you in the, in the land. That you might have prolonged days in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Maybe the angels at least had a conversation with God saying, you got to tell them that. You, you're kidding me. You mean people who would not be here had not their parents made the sacrifice to have them and provide for them. You see, this command is not, is not for four-year-olds. If you ever get a thank you out of a child, that's a big plus. It just hardly ever comes. They don't have the maturity to know they ought to be thankful for the food they're eating right now. They just think it's supposed to show up. They think, they think the refrigerator produces it. <laughs> that the pantry just, just, it just gets restocked magically. And so they don't feel the need. It's just normal. This command is made for adults who have gone through the process of being provided for by their parents in every way. And it brought to a place of maturity. And God says, I now must not only remind you by way of suggestion, but with strength of command, put it in my tent to say, make sure you honor your mom and your father. Are you kidding me? Say the angels to God. You have to tell them not to iron with their clothes on. And we think mankind is good and getting better. This command is still relevant, unfortunately. It's an amazing command. But that we have to be told says a lot about us. That you have to be reminded says a lot about us. I want to talk to you on three levels. One, what it means to honor. Two, what it means to have heritage. And three, what it means to hope. Honor in the Hebrew is the word kabod. 
It's either spelled K-A-B-O-D or K-A-B-A-D, kabod. And it means weighty, burdensome, heavy. Bestow a heavy, weighty compliment on your parents that you might live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. There's something about the weight of the, of the honor that is supposed to, to be given to, to parents that goes beyond the simple, hey, mom and dad, thanks. I'm getting ready to head out to work. See you later. Not weighty enough. Goes beyond the Hallmark card. Not weighty enough. It ought to take a lot of thought. Maybe some money. How much did your parents do for you? What did they sacrifice? I, I heard a news report that in Northern Virginia, to take a child from birth through high school, just graduating high school, we're not talking about college, $367,000 a parent will spend. That's Northern Virginia. Kansas City, about two hundred eighty-six. Any way you cut it, it's six figures. Just to get a child through high school. That's clothes, that's food, that's electricity, that's water, that's soccer, piano lessons, just to get a child through high school. Not to mention all the other stuff that costs you that's not monetary. How much did your parents work to get you where you are? And when you begin to put the scales properly, where, where they put into you, how weighty does your compliment need to be in order to balance them? I do know this, that it needs to carry enough significant weight to get it off you. Now, the weight that you carry in order to honor your parents is weight you are not meant to carry. And as long as you carry it without honoring them, you are imbalanced in your life because it is never meant for you. It's meant for them. And while you hold on to not honoring your parents, your life is out of balance. You're like a person going up three flights of stairs with an 800-pound refrigerator on their back. You walk funny. It affects all your relationships because you have not learned how to honor those who have done for you. It messes up all of your communication. Sometimes you just lash out at somebody and you don't even know why. The psychologist, you lie down on a, on a, on a couch talking to them, pay them $120 an hour. They can't figure it out. God says, I will help you if you will relieve the burden that you are carrying by actually putting it on the parents because the parents are made to carry it. When a parent hears the appropriate honor and thanksgiving that comes from a child, every parent goes, feels good. They carry it beautifully. We don't. And the only way for us to release it is to give it to them. Otherwise, you wind up holding on to something that is improper in your life to hold on to and is too heavy for you to manage for the rest of your life. God says honor. Give it away. It's weighty any way it goes. It's just the parents know how to handle it best. 
They can carry it because they are made to do that. We in our society, boy, we love being egalitarian. We love the fact that everybody can be in a democratic society right on the same level. But everything about God is making sure that you do the right thing with respect to honor, both with regard to position and function. Position and function. We honor the position the person is, in which the person is, and we honor the function that they serve. Now, as I'm speaking about this idea of honor, you're saying to yourself, well, pastor, you didn't grow up in my house. You have no idea what my parents didn't do, or you have no idea what my parents did to me. They abused me. They created the environment where I was abused. They allowed abuse to go on. They said some horrible things to me. They did some things that were just terrible. My dad hurt me here, and he hurt. I get it. I I do. And I don't just get it because I identify empathetically. I get it because I lived it. There are very few houses in all of the world that were more dysfunctional than the one in which I grew up. And sometimes a little bit dangerous. Yours might be equal, but I doubt that you surpassed mine. I doubt it. There was some stuff in my house. And my dad did the very best he could. My mama did the very best they could. Amazing human beings. But you have to understand something about parenting. It is the job that requires the most responsibility with the least amount of training. I mean, did your baby come out with a manual? You didn't come out with one. And when you think about raising your children, don't you every day wake up with questions? What am I do today? What am I going to do with these problems today? Because you face new ones all the time. They come home with issues from school. You're thinking, huh, how do I handle? Okay, well, I've never been here before. You're always trying to, and there's no rule book. Now, there are guidelines you can find in Scripture, but none of them have your child's name in it. So you're trying to figure out what, what is the right way. The biggest responsibility in the world with no training. And you've been going to church for years. At least you understand something about your scripture. Maybe your parents had no clue. Mine didn't. Oh, they were great. Listen, as messed up as my house was, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I didn't like it. But my parents, amazing human beings. Help make bread into who bread is today. Every aspect of who I am, I owe to them. And some of the things that happened in my house primed me to find God better. Lord, heal me from that. Help me. Deliver me. And now I am more empathetic to what people have to go through because I have been through it. I don't look at my past as being that which holds me back. I've allowed the cross to be applied, the bitter pool that I have had to drink from for decades. I threw my rod in it, the stick in it, like Moses came to, where the water was bitter with the Israelites, threw a stick in there called the cross and made those bitter waters sweet. I understand something about making sure that my past does not just follow me, but exceed me. And every day I run into it over there. That's what happens in your relationships. When you don't allow the proper remedy to be applied to your past, it doesn't follow you. It precedes you. It heads into your next relationship. You don't know it. 
But it just all of a sudden, boom, there it shows up. And you have blown it up because you are so dysfunctional on the inside because you haven't released your parents and relieved yourself of the burden, weightiness that should be on them. You don't know what I grew up in. You have no idea, Pastor. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this is why God gives us the beautiful gift of forgiveness. Forgiveness, one of the greatest gifts in the world. It releases somebody from any obligation to pay us back. Because we have been forgiven, we ought to know something about forgiveness. And our God has released us from every sin. Anybody feel good about your forgiveness? Anybody feel good about what God has done for you? Feel good about that? That good? I mean, if we, if we were to count the number of times that we've offended our God, would we run out of days? I think so. And so we are grateful for everything that God, boy, and, and, and I mean, he could have held. If anybody could have held the offense of man, you, against him, it would be him because he's perfect and we're not. And he decided to release us. Oh, he's so amazing. He's just so, he didn't have to. He did it because he loved. And it brought us into a new relationship with him. If he had not forgiven, there would still be an offense or be a barrier. But he forgave and brought us in and doesn't count our trespasses against us anymore. We don't have to pay. He not only forgave us for what we did, he paid the penalty for what we should have incurred as a result of doing wrong. Oh. And so he, he gave us redemptive benefit in saying, I wipe out your wrongdoing, and then took the penalty. We call it propitiation. Took the penalty for all of our wrongdoing on top of it. What a God. That would be enough. And then he decided, I'm not going to stop there. I'm not just going to forgive you, and I'm not just going to take your penalty. I'm actually going to make you righteous. I'm going to impart to you, impute my righteous life to you so that when I think of you and I look at you, I look at Jesus so that you can be righteous in my presence. That way you are not just innocent, but holy. Amazing what our God has done. And none of it we deserved. None of it we deserved. So what has your mom or dad done to you? That is so grievous that it supersedes anything that you may have done to God. That somehow that sin is so great that, it's, that it trumps anything that God had to forgive with you. Matthew 18, Peter comes to Jesus. and The Pharisees had a rule. And this rule was, if, if your brother sins against you three times a day, you should forgive him. But three is a max. That's the cap. That's it, free. Peter knew that Jesus had an issue with the Pharisees. And so he's trying to find some points. You know, he doesn't get many with Jesus. He, he blows it more times than not. Whether it be not being able to finish the, the stroll on the sea or beginning to, to, to question Jesus' calling and, and, and say, you're not going to go to the cross. I mean, he, he, he gets rebuked a lot. And so he's, he's posturing himself thinking, I'm going to get this one right, baby. <laughs> Jesus, if my brother sins against me seven times a day, I want you to know I'm going to forgive him. That's good, right? Jesus said, mm, I tip my hat to you, but 70 times seven. Oh, Jesus. Oh, come on, really? I, I thought I had this one. I doubled the Pharisees and added one. Are you kidding me? Yeah, 70 times 7. And we, Jesus wasn't trying to make a firm number. He was just trying to, to speak hi, hyperbole, hyperbolically and say, ah, it doesn't matter. As long as they come and ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. 
And then he went to tell a story. He said it was this man who, who, who was a steward of a master. This master had given him one, excuse me, 10,000 talents of gold. Now, a talent was 100 pounds of anything. It was a unit of measure. And there were 10,000, 100 pounds. That's a million pounds of gold. Roughly somewhere in the neighborhood of, a, of $10 billion did this man have the privilege of stewarding. He comes before him. Master says, time to settle accounts. The guy comes and says, um, yeah, about that, uh, I lost it. You, 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 ten, you know you had alien with a B. You lost $10 billion? Yeah, but see, what had happened was, yeah, no, listen, I'll pay you back. You're going to pay me back $10 billion. <laughs> listen, you're right. I'm going to put you and your family in jail. You'll be, you'll be incarcerated as my slaves until you do. You'll work it off. Oh, please have mercy on me. I promise you I'll pay it back. Have mercy. Fell on his face, groveled, complained. Finally, the master amazingly said, you're free. To which all of the court, the, 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 the other servants are just scratching their head thinking, gosh, he got $10 billion. Free. They just wiped out his debt. Wow. Doesn't say this in the text. But I think the master then released the servant and sent some spies after him. Say, go watch that boy, because he got a buried someplace. <laughs> I think that's what happened. It doesn't say that, but I, I think that's what happened. <laughs> Why? Because it says spies went out after him to see where he was going. And, and they saw him knocking on a dude's door, and the guy owed him 50 bucks. And, and, and the, the, the servant said, pay me. The guy said, oh, I don't have the money, but I promise you, I'll pay you. I promise you. Just give me some time. Have mercy on me. The guy choked him until he gave him his 50 bucks. The, the spies came back and told the master. said, you know that dude you gave all that, forgave all that? Yeah, he went and found a dude who owed him 50 bucks, and he choked it out of him. He said, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Bring him back. The master said, why didn't you have mercy on the people? who owed you a little bit when I forgave you such a great debt. What have your parents done again? What have your parents done again? Why didn't you have mercy on this guy? He said, now you're going to be in bondage. You, your family, everybody. You're going to work until you pay. And you, I, you'll never pay me off, but you'll be in bondage for the rest of your days. When you don't forgive, you're in bondage. When you don't release people, See, the person who hurt you, they ain't thinking about you every day. They're going about their life. They're doing what they need to do. They're getting up, going to work. You don't, they don't think about you until they see you or you call. You're in a group text, and they think about you. But it's never bad. It's never bad. They say, huh. And then they go out about their life. They are not, but you, every day of your life, anytime their name comes up, just turns your stomach. Your mind begins to get in knots. You can't even carry on a conversation anymore because you now just focus. Where'd you go? I'm talking to you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say. You can't even come because now you're trying to figure out what can I do to let them know how much they hurt me. And you forget 
You lose all your perspective on how much God has forgiven you. Ten billion worth of debt that you don't owe. And that is, again, a hyperbolic number just to reflect it's a debt that you could not pay. You have to forgive. You've got to release. And let me tell you, when you forgive, this is point two here, mom and dad, when you forgive, don't do it like this. Mom, dad, um, you hurt me really bad. You know when you did this, that hurt, and this hurt, and you, you didn't show up here, and you made me do this, and you beat me here, and that person abused me there while you were letting it happen, and, but I want you to know I forgive you. That's one of those, I'm supposed to feel good, but I feel really bad. I'm not quite sure how to, what you've done is you've put all of your pain on them. Trying to exercise forgiveness, that's improper. You deal with your pain in the presence of God. You get healed enough. If you need some people to pray for you, we got folks who can do that. You get healed enough through the power of the Spirit. Let God begin to deal as you forgive. And, and forgiveness is not an emotion. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It's a decision. You just say, I choose to release them. And then you allow the Holy Ghost to heal all the problems that have resulted from that pain, from that offense. Once you do that, this is how you approach your parents. Mom, Dad, I love you. You did the best you could. Thank you. I release you from any obligation to try to fix anything in my life. I thank you for who you are and what you've meant to me. You're amazing. You do that, all of a sudden, not only are you released from the prison in which you've been for a long period of time, but the burden that you've been carrying around to honor now gets placed where it's supposed to be born. And they walk away transformed. They don't even know what's happened. The good, a truck hit them, but it was a good humor truck. All the ice cream just fell out. They as happy as they can be. They don't know exactly what happened. But it's just, and they, and, and they aren't able to respond. Don't expect a biblical response from people who don't know Bible. They aren't going to be able to say the right thing. You just say the right thing. I've lived this. I lived this. Forgave my dad for everything that he wasn't able to do. But it helped me when I went to see his dad who was on his deathbed in 1984. And I sat down with him during the last two weeks of his life. And it was one of those moments where I was trying to pick his brain about everything because I didn't know all of my history. My dad didn't tell me, so I needed to hear it from his dad. And I was trying to figure out who he was. I led him to the Lord on his deathbed. It was a beautiful moment. And then he began to talk about his relationship with his son, which was my dad. And then all of a sudden, the lights came on in my head. I said, I get it. My dad didn't have anything to give me. I was trying to pull what he did not have. Oh, mercy came from me. I forgave him. I said, Daddy, I, I, it's not that I even had a conversation whereby I said, I forgive you. I went home and I said, I'm going to figure out a way to honor my dad. And I created this album. I, I can sing a little bit. And so I created this album. And I, I, I wrote like, I don't know, nine to ten songs on it. And one of them was in particular for him, dedicated to him. 
And he came home. My mother and father were divorced, but he would always visit at Christmas. And I had it cued in a cassette tape. Do you, do you, know, do you know what those, those are? <laughs> As soon as he walked in, I pushed play. You had to push play a button. Back. And he began to play. He said, who's that? I said, that's me. He said, boy, you can sing. I said, yeah, I got it from you, Dad. My dad was a recording artist in the 50s. It was all about him. That was 1985. Something broke in my dad. Five years later, he came to live with me. He hated my ministry because it took me away from what he wanted me to be, which was a dentist, and take over his practice. He hated it. He came to live with me, and now the thing he hated was supporting him because he couldn't. He was an alcoholic. He was a dentist. When you're an alcoholic at the place where he was, handshake, not a good combination being in somebody's mouth. He had to walk away from his dentist practice. He was almost homeless. I brought him to live with me. He got born again. I baptized him in the tub of my house. Our church had just transitioned from our other pastor to me. The other pastor gave me the church. I said, Dad, I don't know if I could do this. He didn't know all the Bible. He said, boy, you can make this happen. <laughs> He's the only one I was happy to be called boy by. <laughs> I was 30. I was 30. I was 30. <laughs> boy, you can do this. Boy, you can do this. Yes, sir. Died in my house. Forgiven, honored, loved, and restored to me and me to him. The burden was lifted, and I put it on someone who could carry it. God wants to do that with every dysfunctional parent in this room. Meaning, you might be the dysfunctional parent. And he wants to do it with every son or daughter that has a dysfunctional relationship with their parents. There are miracles that need to happen in this room today. Miracles. And as a result, the benefit will be you will have hope. He said that it, that it might, that, that you might live long in the land the Lord your God gives you. Now, I work, I work pretty hard at trying to make sure that my physical body is, is doing everything that it possibly can to be late for its appointment with the grave. We've all got one. We've all got one. It's inevitable. We won't be here forever. But I'm doing what I can to make sure that I'm late. I work out, I eat right, and I don't like any of it. I don't like any of it. I'm, I regularly complain without repentance to my children and my wife. Every time I go downstairs to work out of my gym, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And I do. I really do. And to think that I have to do this for the rest of my life. It's just, oh. And I work out hard. It's an hour, five days a week. And three, day, three days out of the month, it's, it's the place where I feel like I'm going to throw up. I push myself. I make my body my slave, lest after I preach to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, I know Paul is talking about morality there and that he's restraining his soul from doing wrong. But there's also a benefit that if you do right physically and make your body your slave, you won't be disqualified by being in a hospital bed. I'm gonna, I plan to be here when I'm 80. 
as strong as I am now. That's my plan. Now, I don't plan to do this every day when I'm 80, <laughs> but I'll have the capability. Are you listening to me? What are you doing spiritually to make sure that you are here for a long time? I do that physically, because I, but, but I've already done it spiritually. I honored my mom and my dad. Weighty was my honor. It wasn't just a moment. Hey, thank you on Father's Day. It was weighty for my mama. Time and thought and energy for the greatness that they were to me. As a result, I think that's a part of the, the recipe that allows me to live off alone in the land that the Lord, my God, has given me. Now, how Paul looked at that was that he said this. Not only you get to live long, but it's never God's will for you to live long under the curse. I mean, that's never a plan. He's not trying to make that happen. So the Hebrew mind was, if you have the blessing of God to live long, is that you live well while you live long. So Paul said, this is what we interpreted that command to mean, that it might go well with you in the land and that you live long in it. And it's the first commandment with a, with a promise. In fact, it's the only one of the ten with a promise. Which means God is trying to incentivize you to do this because he knew that as an adult, you'd find reason not to. He's trying to help you. There's hope for you. If it's not going as well as you'd like, there might be many reasons why it's not going as well as you'd like. But let's delete one. Honor mom and dad. Take the weight which is down on the inside of your soul that you've been bearing too long. Apply forgiveness so that you can honorably and responsibly lift it and give mom and dad a call. Take a flight. Next time you see them, plan a big moment and make sure that you offload it and watch how they carry it beautifully. And you'd be surprised. They may not know Jesus but they'll be a step closer because of what you do. They'll be closer. You might be the greatest witness they've ever seen simply because of your honor. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. I thank you for your goodness and grace. Please empower us to be able to do this well.